Oh god, it's a bee! It's a bee! Face, hand to hand, film to film. <laughs> Welcome to uh, Phenomena, the film to film podcast. Uh, we're doing Phenomena today. Um, some uh, truly great acting there uh, in in this film. Um, okay, Inyaki, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, James. How about you? <laughs> not bad, not bad. Um, yeah, this this movie. Uh, is is quite a film um <laughs> so uh let's let's get right into it um so synopsis a young girl with an amazing ability Wait, what, what to... film are we talking about uh... we are talking about phenomena uh dario argento's oh. phenomena from 1985 oh, that's right that's right yeah. okay <laughs> uh Okay, a young girl with an amazing ability to communicate with insects is transferred to an exclusive Swiss boarding school where her unusual capability might help solve a string of murders. Good? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, what yeah. do you no, think? I, I, what do you think? I, I think that sums it up pretty well. Uh, I mean, uh, it's it's a fairly simple premise especially when you put it like that but uh there is a lot of uh, flavor added by uh mr dario argento um all right okay so um this film uh was his follow-up to tenebrae done three years later 1985 um it comes off you know a pretty one of my favorite stretches of a filmmaker starting with deep red then suspiria then inferno in 1980 and then uh tenebrae i love all four of those films and then this film uh follows it up uh, what did you think of Phenomena? I actually really liked it. Oh, um, yeah? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think um, um, it was it was fun. Uh, the main character had uh, somewhat of, uh, quite a bit of agency for this genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, it borrowed a lot from uh, other films, including American films, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, some people have compared this as sort of like the greatest hits of Dario Argento. Uh, it has takes a lot of elements from himself, but I think you're right. It does take elements from American films, too. Um, it, the setting is also very unique. I mean, each Argento film, I feel like, has a very unique setting that's worth talking about. Uh, this one in sort of the Swiss Alps. And I know you've spent some time in Switzerland, so we'll get to that a bit later. Um, so for me, this is not my favorite. I don't put this in the same category as like those previous four films that came before it. Um, but this film does leave me with a smile on my face after a truly batshit insane last 20 to 25 minutes. Um, so mm. that that's worth saying. Um, it, it, this film, I, I have a really hard time judging it because it has some moments that are really a ton of fun. And other moments that are pretty um, questionable, uh, let's say. Some very questionable use of music and some questionable acting. And that's probably putting it very kindly uh, for this film. Um, So I I have very mixed feelings. Uh, This is my second time viewing this film. And the first time I was like, well, that was something. And this time knowing a bit more what to expect, I think I enjoyed it a little bit more just because I was able to... Uh, you know, sort of, uh, I knew what was coming and I knew I was going to really enjoy that last uh, 20 to 25 minutes. Mm. Um, Okay, Uh, well, let's uh, get into the film. Uh, So Phenomena, it was uh, one of Dario Argento's, I think, last films to really get a proper U.S. release, but uh, it's 110 minutes, which I think is one of the longer Argento films we've talked about, or longer Italian genre films in general. But the U.S. version, which was called Creepers, was cut all the way down to 84 minutes. Uh, wow. So I am kind of curious about that version uh, just because that is a ton of movie to cut from it. And so I wonder how um, what they did cut from it. Uh, yeah. Um, anyways, uh, so that's just a little bit of background on this. So let's get right into um, sort of the uh, look and feel of the film. I, I feel like that's something that we always talk about when we come to Argento. Uh, this film set in uh, the Alps, Switzerland, uh, and he shoots it in a very naturalistic way compared to something like, uh, uh, what's it called, Uh, Suspiria. 
uh, or Inferno. What was your feeling on sort of the cinematography and the setting? Um, yeah, this was way, uh, definitely more on falling within the realism. Uh, film, the, the film style is more within the realism aspect, if you will. Uh, it Naturalistic, I think was the word you used, and I agree. I think uh, you got to see a lot of the... Uh, uh, the location mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't a it wasn't a very set heavy film this was more of a you know seeing and experiencing the the Alps seeing the waterfalls uh, things like that I mean you did have your sets but they were the sets were not yeah except they, for they, maybe they were, the last set uh, but yeah it's right. not like Suspiria where that you spend like pretty much the whole movie in the dance academy Exactly, uh, but 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 also like beyond that, it's like that the sets are not uh, even a like the highlight, if you will, except ex- perhaps except for the ending, because mm-hmm. in all the other movies, the sets are almost a character of on itself, uh, very bright, very lots of different details. This one, you know, the sets were uh, more toned down, but uh, uh but you you got to enjoy the location, the beauty of the area, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think this is more of a for a, for a, more of a plot heavy film uh, for Argento. Um, I guess that goes beyond the feel. But I mean, you still got your Argento touches, uh, some explorations of the houses, uh, things like that, like some some in fun fun cam- camera movements uh, that. Uh, you know, one, one enjoys from Argento films. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. Definitely a lot of characteristic Argento. He's always moving the camera and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it it, it is... Um, yeah, uh, I'd say probably the first 80 minutes of this film are just more... Yeah, as, as we've both been putting, just very naturalistic and stuff. Uh, let me ask you, have you spent time in sort of this area? I know you uh, spent quite uh, a, a summer or something like that in Switzerland. Were you out in the Alps at all? Uh, I, I mean, the Alps have a huge presence in Switzerland uh, overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I think uh, this film is set. Do you do you remember the name of the town? Um, no. Uh, it could have very well been a fictional town too. Uh, but let me see if I can pull that up right here. Uh. Um. I don't know. Uh, Richard Wagner School of uh, Academy for Girls. Well, that uh, that part is probably not a real place. Yeah, for um, sure. Um, well, yeah, I don't know. In in short, uh, I mean, obviously, I've been everywhere in Switzerland. Uh, I've been in Zurich. Uh, I've driven from Zurich to um, uh, from Zurich to Geneva, and I've also been at the Rhine's Falls. Mm. Uh, but but generally speaking. Uh, uh, Switzerland is, I mean, I mean, the Alps are like right there because it's a really tiny cu- country. Mm-hmm. So the Alps are just, you can see them from everywhere you are. Everywhere you are, uh, you can see the Alps. Uh, I mean, actually, when, it, when I was watching this film, at first I thought uh, the fall maybe was uh, filmed at uh, the uh, Rhine Falls, which are um, on the northern side by, by Zurich. Mm-hmm. But then I read somewhere, and that's I, I kind of closed it, so I forgot where where it was. That I think it's located more uh, closer to Bern, which is uh, more in the central area. But I mean, either way, it's uh, uh, you got lots of uh, green, yet somewhat. Yeah, you got green. Uh, it's it's a cooler area of 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 Europe, if you will, but it's not like nor- northern Europe. Mm-hmm. Or it's not, and also it's not warm like Southern Europe. It sort of has like a, a cool yet somewhat Mediterranean type of weather. Interesting. Um, or I mean, yeah, it's not necessarily coastal. Um, yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a cool setting, and I, if I remember correctly, when they do go to the city briefly, I think that's Zurich. Um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong there, but I, I like a lot of the shots uh, out in like. Uh, just sort of the rural setting where you have like these huge green spaces there's like a lot of negative space and you just see like Jennifer Connelly or someone like that just wandering around and it sort of creates this like vastness of feel 
And mm-hmm. I do feel like that's a little different from uh, most of Argento's films, which tend to be in more urban settings. Um, right. And so this, in that sense, maybe uh, this does feel a little bit influenced by more American films. Anyways, uh, you're saying that uh, you noticed some influence from other films here. What what films uh, come to mind as far as that goes? So this is uh, plot-wise, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this movie came out after Fri- Friday the 13th. Yeah. Uh, and even though Friday the 13th was sort of a cheap copy of Halloween, mm-hmm. uh, it did set a plot point that this film, I feel like, kind of followed mm-hmm. uh, and explored. And that's the the mother with a deformed chi- uh, and perhaps dead child. Uh, and I mean, the, the very ending to me was like extremely similar. You have this yeah. deformed child in the middle of, a, uh, of of the lake, which is probably I don't know if it's supposed to be Lake Geneva or Lake Lamont, depending on where who names it. But uh, uh, you know, you, she's in the she's in the lake, kind of fighting this child. Of course, you have more bombastic fires and really cool yeah, yeah. under the water scenes, but you still have a little bit of that. Uh, and you know that easily could be uh, Jason. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know the mother decapitates someone. Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Which is, could easily be uh, you know Mrs. Borges. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that. Interesting. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, that's, that's good. Yeah, it's like dialed up to 15 in this movie. Um, but yeah, with like lots of those Argento characteristics. The other one I was thinking of that I thought you were going to bring up was um, Carrie. Due to sort of like that, uh, tel- like that sort of telepathic instinct with the bugs and stuff like that, which is different from the actual movie Carrie, but you know, uh, mm-hmm. kind of brings together uh, interesting, uh, sort of similar uh, psychic abilities, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's easy to see sort of a mishmash. I think more than other Argento films, which tend to have more of like a consistent theme. And I think that kind of contributes to the unevenness of this film. Just the fact that it does feel like he's tossing everything, um, against the wall. And I think that there's a lot to like there, but there's also, uh, I don't know. Yeah. You look like you're yeah, going to no, say something. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, uh, Especially one of the things that I, I wrote as a note uh, when it happened, and I thought it, the theme was going to continue, and it never did, was the use of narration. Uh, when she arrives at the uh, Wagner School, or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. uh, the, the narr- narr- narrator from uh, Suspiria like, actually narrates that entrance, which, again, happened in Suspiria as well, and I expected... Oh, okay. Uh, we're gonna have a little bit of uh, that theme, and that was the only time it happened. So it's almost like it felt like Argento was like, you know, I really like that scene in Suspiria, where she arrives at the, the school. Let's do the same thing here. Yeah, yeah, and the school. I mean, uh, yeah, maybe that's one of the interesting things with this film too. Is like it it really toys with your expectations in some ways because like when i originally saw this film my mind immediately went to suspiria too because they have that car ride there uh the car ride's a lot less intense uh than the suspiria car ride but they'd have a car ride uh to uh uh the school with some truly terrible acting from daria nicolodi uh trying to kill a bee um and uh you expect the school to play more of a part um but really the school is in it so much less than um suspiria uh, so I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I I don't mind the school. I think it's kind of a neat set, but it's mm-hmm. certainly not Suspiria uh, level of stylish. No, and I I mean I don't mind that it's not because I mean it would have been distracting. Mm-hmm. But which is why it's, it was sort of weird to to sort of have that introduction that is similar to the Suspiria school, even though it's not. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. And you know this uh this film also sort of takes up an interesting place and. In, Argento or Giallo fans thing it it's kind of divided whether people consider this uh, a Giallo film or not I think you can see the elements that are Uh, Giallo tends to not be supernatural too Um, we don't need to discuss whether we think this is Giallo or not I think that's uh, more for people that are into the semantics but uh, some there are uh, arguments over whether this film should be officially considered Giallo but it kind of is to some extent um, Suspiria meets Giallo um, mm-hmm. in, in my view at least so you can see what elements are kind of Giallo uh, we feel like the stalker or killer 
uh, part of it, um, black gloves at certain scenes, um, but it's also more supernatural in a way. Uh, and uh, yeah, so. Uh, Have you seen uh, the Friday the 13th, I think, uh, part four? Uh, which, uh, whichever is the, the one before he goes to New York. Uh, I want to say it's part. It might be part five or six. I don't know. There's so many. Part eight is New York. So part seven. I don't think I've seen part, part seven. I've seen part six okay. though. Okay, so I believe it's part seven. Um, uh, they, uh, Jason uh, faces uh, a, a girl who also has telekinetic powers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah. I've heard about that one. That's like Jason versus Carrie is like the unofficial title of that. Right. Uh, and I mean, this kind of had a little bit of that, <laughs> you could say. Yeah, yeah. No one away. Uh, yeah, you could. I don't know. This this film at the end it just throws so much against the wall at you that uh, it's just like one thing after the other. Um, we'll definitely get to that ending, which in my view is uh, definitely probably the number one reason to watch this film. Um, mm. Okay, well, uh, yeah. Uh, any thoughts on um, some of the cast members? Like uh, Jennifer Connelly plays the lead here. I think it's pretty clear uh, he had seen her in Sergio Leone, who's kind of his mentor. Uh, his previous film, Once Upon a Time in the America. Obviously, she's kind of gone on to have a very nice career here in Hollywood um, as well. Uh, How did you find her performance in here? She's obviously very young. I think she's, she's good. I think uh, she... She did a good job. Uh, I'm assuming she dubbed over herself, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the dubbing always, like, I mean, not always works well. Mm-hmm. But uh, overall, I think I thought I think she did a good job uh, for what she was doing. I mean, she's playing a character that has uh, uh, the movie frames it as double personality. I don't know if I would frame it as that, but uh, she does have sort of like the the you know bratty teenage girl side and then this more stoic uh i speak with the animal side Mm -hmm. and she was good at switch switching from one to the other yeah um i find some of the dialogue writing for her to be well or in general in this film to just be not good and part of that is the dubbing and stuff like that so i think that definitely kind of helps to detract from her so i don't really blame her for that but i find her to be fairly serviceable i thought she had decent chemistry with uh donald pleasance i think gives a mm-hmm. pretty decent performance with with what i think is pretty crummy uh right written material from argento uh here um i i like donald pleasance how do you find uh, mr pleasance or mr uh loomis in this film yeah, I was gonna call him Loomis. Uh, I have it on my, on my notes; is all over. It's just as Loomis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think he did a he did a good job. Uh, he was very well cast for the scene. Um, even the lines that were more ridiculous that he had to say, he says the way. I, I mean, that's the part where you know, I, I agree with you. Uh, Jennifer Connelly uh, could not pull off some of those lines, but that's because the writing was crap. The writing was uh, is. is pretty awful in this film like i think exactly particularly awful even for an argento film yeah and i mean i don't know how young jennifer colony was in Connolly was in this film. i think 13 or 14 so she was actually exactly young yeah so i i mean for someone at that age i think that was uh you know as good as you can do with uh the script you have uh, but I mean, that's when you you can see a you know this is a girl basically doing a portrayal with bad writing, and then you have a seasoned actor doing a portrayal with bad writing, and you know the seasoned actor can pull that shit off. Yeah, like, yeah. you can have bad writing, and he can read it, and you're like, oh, you know, his little rant about the wind in this uh, town sound really ominous and interesting because you know the man can pull it off yeah yeah no i think that's a great point and i think donald pleasance is particularly well suited to saying like just not good writing i mean like he can make that stuff sound like pretty good overall and i think he Mm -hmm. he pulls that off more than other people uh the third performance uh in the film i don't have very kind things to say about um 
but uh, uh, I, I imitated her trying to kill the bee at the beginning, Daria Nicolodi. I think this is... I like her in general. I think she's good in a lot of films, like Deep Red. I don't think she's good in this film. I think some of her acting is uh, pretty bad. A lot of that falls, again, onto the writing and the dubbing, which is not great. Um, but uh, I think of the three leads, I think she's probably the weakest in my view. Yeah, I agree. Um, she probably was the weakest, and she had the mm, and and her character was one of the more important characters. And do have a good actor, and that would have been much better. <laughs> yeah, uh, the scene where she has to kill the bee. I don't know how you reacted to that. But I just started laughing out loud at how ridiculous it was. It's like the car stops. It's like she's like batting wildly uh, at a bee. It was uh, it was pretty funny. I mean, don't don't put her in the set of Candyman. That's for sure. Also, I was gonna say though, I, I didn't even know it was a bee until like <laughs> for for the longest time. I thought it was a fly, and then I was like, oh, it's a really dark bumblebee. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I have a. I have a friend who crashed her car because she had a spider on her shoulder. <laughs> wow. I mean, I think uh, she was like parking or something. Mm-hmm. Noticed the spider, freaked out, dropped everything and crashed her car. I mean, not a hard crash, but like hit, you know, the next car or whatever. So, I mean, like I can see people freaking out about a, an insect or a bug. There are people with phobias. But I mean, still, I, I agree with you. the the uh, The lady did um, did her best to not seem reasonable. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, if you're trying to like uh, have some bad acting to make Jennifer Connelly's acting look uh, good or especially mm-hmm. good, uh, they they accomplished that in the scene. Uh, the fact that it almost crashed the car too was was pretty humorous to me. When there's like a separate driver, it's not like Dario Nocchiolotti is even driving the car. Well, the separate driver was also sort of freaking out by, about the bee. Um, yeah, but I mean, he probably yeah. was freaking out because he had like a woman in the back going, "Oh my god, a bee, a bee, a bee!" <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, it can happen. Uh, the the thing I, I thought was kind of a, uh, interesting about her and her acting or her car- character as well was also that it wasn't really clear what she was going for. Again, and I'm not sure if to blame her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicolodi or to blame Argento on that on that but um there were moments where I mean what was she actually I, I was very curious what was her, what was she was she um was she working for the school was she working for uh Jennifer's dad what like what was she doing what was her role there uh-huh I wasn't sure about I, that. Maybe I missed it. I assumed she was like, some sort of a teacher, I guess. Right, but then why did she take Jennifer to her house? Or what? Because it sounds like she had talked to you know the uh, her father's uh, assistant mm-hmm. because she knew that she was at the bank and all that stuff. So why was she doing all of that, which was outside the school? I I don't know. I mean. I didn't know that, and then the way that she was characterized did not help, right? Because like when she's coming in, it seems like uh, you know she picks up Jennifer, and it seems like she's more of a administrator or something. Administrator, yeah, an administrator, a, a school administrator. But then later, she seems like a very uh, a weak person, a very timid person who doesn't have much uh, agency within the school. So it's like okay. Right. Maybe she's a teacher. And and then, you know, she goes, she seems like an assistant, perhaps, perhaps because she's doing something outside the school. And then she goes batshit crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. the only time when you're like, okay, well, this I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I think there's just a lot of unevenness in her performance and, like, what she's asked to do, too. It's like one moment... She's supposed to be able to comfort Jennifer Connolly to the point where Jennifer is going to go um, to her home and stay there for a bit. And then the next moment, she's going uh, batshit. And you know, a lot of that, I think, is the writing. But it feels very awkward, uh, to put it, uh, I guess, bluntly. Um, and I, I don't know that it was my favorite. Um, 
And I'm inclined to blame a lot of this on the writer and director, Argento, um, mm-hmm. because I mean, we've we, seen Nicoloni in other uh, roles, and she's not bad. I mean, she's she's can be good, and Deep Red, I think she's legitimately good and has good chemistry with David Hemmings, um, but this film, uh, I think uh, she's all over the place, and uh, it doesn't entirely work. Um, okay, uh, so uh, moving on uh, to another thing. That has very mixed results, and I think we can uh, talk about a fair amount. Uh, the use of music in this film. Um, thoughts? I'm giving you um, first. There are moments where I really liked it, and there are moments where I didn't. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's start with <clears throat> the use of uh, metal. Uh, and I believe who the band was. It was was it Guns N' Roses? No, uh, it was a but it was a popular band. I'm trying to yeah. Remember. There's Iron Maiden was used uh, Iron... at at some point. Um, there there's a couple other. Uh, let me let me see if I can pull it up. Iron Maiden was probably the biggest one used though. Yeah. So yeah, there was Iron Maiden. Um, on other, uh, Motorhead is the other big one. Motorhead. Okay. So. Actually, I was not minding it at first. Like, I think uh, there was a scene where she's she's dreaming, and she's dreaming what's happening. And you know, you, you got the guitars, you got that stuff, you got the drums, and you. And I was like, you know what? This is working. Until until you get the singing, and um, <laughs> and then you're like, no, 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 no. This is this is not working anymore. This is you just you just put a very cool song. I actually really like the song. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it's no longer mood. It takes you out of the movie. It's like, oh, this is a cool song. This, not this is a cool scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, not to mention, I don't even think that's the most inappropriate use of, uh, of it. I think a good example of just the total unevenness of this film is like, we get this great, uh, we'll talk about this later, this great death scene with Donald Pleasance that I think is effectively staged and rendered. And then it goes to his funeral and all of a sudden, it's just fucking Motorhead going off. And it's like, what the hell is happening? And I think he even put lyrics in that one, too. And it's just like, yep. why? It's like, he. I, I think this is the point where I'm like, Dario Argento is just a little too much in his head. And someone needs to be a no man to him and tell him to uh, when stuff just doesn't work. Because like, I thought that was like completely terrible use of music uh, in the film just ruining what was should have been like was a very good performance by donald pleasance um that probably argento didn't deserve and it kind of ruined like what would have been should have been like a more uh tender somber melancholy moment yeah no i i agree that was the other the other note i had uh the the funeral i mean it's not a funeral it's really when they're taking away his body but still it should have been uh it was totally very I mean, inappropriate. I mean, even I mean, you could have even had metal, but a somber metal. Like there's such thing as somber metal. So if you wanted to, if you wanted to be like, you know what, fuck it, I want to have metal in my in my movie. I want to have like hard metal. That's cool. You got some somber metal to, that you could have uh, used here instead of you know singing about. I forget the what, what they were singing about. You know, it, it reminded me of. Um, have you seen the uh, uh, the latest um, uh, or th- that Cruella the Vil uh, film by Disney, oh. the one that came out recently? I have not. I heard it. There, they had quite a soundtrack now. Yeah, I, I, but but it, it was completely. I mean, let's put it this way: they picked really good songs. Mm-hmm. They put put it on a on your on their iPhone. They put it on shuffle. They pressed play, and then that's what the movie had. Some okay. random, really good songs playing at complete uh, at, at moments that are were completely unnecessary and super distracting. So it's, a, it's like, oh, this should be sad, but it's playing, you know, I don't know, some song by uh, Mickey Minaj. I, I, that's not the case, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, like Argento. I mean, the the songs that he misuses too are are also like very popular songs especially for the time so i'd imagine mm-hmm. he spent a fair amount of money on them uh the song that played during pleasance's funeral or no uh body taken away i guess uh locomotive by motorhead and flash of the blade by iron maiden was played at the moment you talked earlier 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I think you described that earlier moment well too. I pretty much agree. Where it's like, oh, this is kind of weird, but it's sort of working. To what the fuck is happening, and why is he? Why, why are there lyrics now over this? And this makes no sense. In like this, like fourteen-year-old girl at like this German academy or Swiss academy for uh, for learning or something like that. And she's like hanging out the window and having a psychic moment. It just didn't work at all, uh, in my view, at, at a certain mm-hmm. point. So, um, <laughs> uh, but at other moments, I think the more subtly used music, especially during the conclusion, I thought worked pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, there were some good songs from Goblin. Yep. I mean, these are moments where I recognize Goblin, and actually, that the music worked out really well. Yeah, and they're credited uh, as the people that did the soundtrack for this. So, other than them, those like. A handful of big songs. I think it's mostly uh, Goblin's work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, any other soundtrack thoughts or? Um... No, no. I think. Uh... Yeah. No, no. Uh, I think that that was. Okay. Um, so obviously, you haven't seen the eighty-four minute version of this um and we've both seen just a 110 minute version of this what do you think of the length do you think this movie should be is the right length do you think it be should be shorter do you think like the 84 minute version would be better um yeah just kind of an open-ended question i i'm trying to develop my own feelings on this and i'm to be honest i i I really don't know i don't know i mean i don't know what you could have cut off Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean there are moments where the movie gets slow yeah but can you could you cut uh, those scenes off um, I don't know. I mean, I I think sometimes the film felt slow because of the 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 quality of writing, yeah. uh, the quality of the dialogue, but uh, but the, but there were some things within that dialogue that was kind of necessary for understanding the plot. So if you cut it off completely, I feel like it it might make the movie convoluted. I mean, this is kind of a complicated movie. You got right. Some many moving, uh, uh, tons of moving pieces. Um, for for actually, when I was watching it, I thought I had spoiled the movie, or something had spoiled the movie for me, because I as I said before, I looked up the location, so I looked at the article and I read uh, something. I read something about uh, Monkey Shine, which is you know that movie. Okay. By yeah, Romero. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which and then all uh, that's after mm-hmm. this, I believe. They yeah, it is. Anyways, after. Sorry, go ahead. But yeah, but I read that, and then the entire time I thought, "Oh shit, the monkey's a killer." <laughs> not quite, not quite, not it's, quite. It's, right, but 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 that I felt like, "Oh man, this movie's been spoiled for me." The monkey's the killer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is pretty funny actually. If it, if it was, yeah, this would be a very weird double bill with monkey shines. Uh, like, I wonder if there's like a moment in the '80s where they're like, "Oh yeah, we got to put a chimp in this." <laughs> it's just really strange. Anyways, <laughs> I know. Uh, um, but uh, what was I going with? It? Oh yeah, but like there, I mean, but it, it was plausible for the monkey to be a killer. I mean, it's not. No, it could be because you, it, you it even hints it. at it. I mean, like that's probably the biggest red herring we get is like the monkey seems to wield weapons at certain times, and he's there when like Pleasance gets killed and stuff like that. Right. Uh, I mean, well, but when Pleasant gets killed, that's when you realize the monkey is not the killer. Because the monkey wants to kill whoever killed Pleasant. Unless the monkey is an unreliable narrator. It, it is possible. <laughs> I mean, it's I, a fucking Dario Argento film. Anything can happen. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. I mean, it's funny because I, I do say, I, I do have in my notes, it's like, Loomis uh, is killed. Monkey goes ape shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but 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 where I'm going with this is there are so many pieces that like I feel like if you cut something it could get really confusing. Yeah. Yeah, and you know that's kind of the reputation Creepers has, the Creepers cut, the shortcut too is that like people the fans of Argento at least tend to prefer the longer one because the uh shorter one just didn't make any sense. And I tend to agree. I I think uh I think I agree with just about everything you said that the issue isn't the length in itself, but the fact that like some of the writing slows it down a lot and it's hard to cut anything and keep this film still coherent. I'm sure you could cut snips and things uh, a couple minutes off of it, just like at the edges of scenes, but 
uh, for a coherent film uh, that makes sense, I think you kind of need all of the basic plot details in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, before we move on to scenes, uh, oh yeah, wanted to ask you um, if you'd seen uh, *Malignant*. This is supposedly a big inspiration on uh, that film. *Malignant*. Uh, the new James Wan film that came out um, a couple months ago. Oh, I know. I was supposed to, uh, and then uh, I missed out. Okay. Anyways, uh, that film. Uh, you know, emotionally speaking, that film and how I felt about the film it ends up feeling very similar to this. Where for like the first two thirds of it, I'm like, okay, okay, this isn't bad, but this isn't particularly good either. And then the last bit of it just leaves me with a big smile on my face, uh, and, and I just really enjoyed it. So I don't want to spoil more of that too, especially if you haven't seen it. Uh, anything else yeah. to add before we kind of move on to um, set pieces? I mean, I, I agree with you with the two. Actually, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. When do you think the movie turned that corner? From, oh, okay, this is kind of a your run-of-the-mill um, uh, giallo with a little bit of uh, supernatural stuff because you already know pretty much in the get-go that the girl has some powers. From from that to oh, this is crazy! Like, what what, what was the, the what was the the turn of the corner for you? I think the moment the sun turns his head. And he just has like that crazy ass makeup and he starts attacking her and stuff like that. Then I'm like, okay, I don't know what the fuck happened in the first hour and a half of this film at all. Uh, but this film is just going totally batshit, balls to the wall. Or maybe, no, or it could, no, no, no. It's the moment where she falls into that giant tub of uh, like mm-hmm. just disgusting maggots and stuff like that. That's the moment where I was like, all right, all right, I'm back into this film. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, I think uh, when the film started losing me, you had the moment where Loomis died and the monkey went apeshit ape and like ha- like was hanging on the car of the killer as the killer's driving off and the monkey's just trying to stab through the car. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, oh, all right, this is this is not your run of the middle uh, giallo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you So you like that moment. I did. I yeah. thought. I mean, I, I was like, first of all, props to the uh, folks training the monkey or the the uh, the ape. Props to them. Props to. I don't know. Like having an ape wielding a scalpel is a very interesting and dangerous thing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, as we know, these uh, Italians didn't always take the proper precautions on this. Um, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love everything with the chimp. I mean, honestly, it's like if if you're willing to include the chimp as a performer, he might be my favorite. Him and Pleasance are pretty much like my two uh, number one and number two uh, that are are very just fun to watch every time they're on the screen. Yeah, and and they had a, they had an amazing uh, chemistry though. They did. Too. I would watch that buddy cop movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so that's the moment where you're sort of like into the film again. Yeah, and then and then he went into the actually your complaint with the uh, having metal on the uh, <laughs> metal music on the sort of funer- funeral or somber moment. Yeah. And, and then it picked up again uh, around the time you said when she falls in that pit of rotten, rotting flesh. Yeah, yeah. It's a great moment. Um, okay. Um, okay, so let's start uh, going through some of the set pieces. We don't need to talk about this, all of these at least. Um, so there's the opening uh, where we sort of have this Danish girl um, sort of sets the setting for us. There's like mm-hmm. the cool yellow bows. I'm always a fan of like Argento's visual styles and the colors he puts things. Um she uh not a good actor um but we do get to see her uh head chopped off eventually when she wanders into the house and and sort of mm-hmm. goes over to that waterfall area uh okay i'm gonna keep moving unless you want to talk about that one um there's let's talk about whichever you want to talk about now okay well i especially want to talk about the ending but i do feel like maybe we should talk about one or two of these others 
there's the girl that gets stabbed at the beginning where Connolly has like her psychic moment where she sort of hangs from the balcony falls gets picked up and then eventually runs it to Donald Pleasance which is a very convoluted way for her to meet Donald Pleasance mm-hmm. um, um, there's the roommate that gets killed uh, where she's walking around uh, again kind of similar to the last one um, she ends up finding the glove of uh, of the killer um, and then uh, okay maybe this one this one this one I think stands out just being a little different um, where she um, is bullied this isn't actually a death scene but I thought it was kind of interesting and cool uh, where she's being bullied and like all the girls are mocking her and stuff like that I do think it does a reasonable job at least with sort of like the bullying um, uh, scenes and stuff like that and making her seem like an outsider I thought that was reasonably effective um, as far as like some of the dramatic stuff goes and then it gets yeah. the moment where like her hair starts to uh like um like wind starts to brush against it we hear sort of the sound effects which i think are great and insects just start to overwhelm the house um mm-hmm. i uh that's probably like a moment that's maybe sort of similar to carrie uh in a way um but yeah i i thought that one was pretty well handled uh any thoughts on that scene all the insects no, I thought I thought that was one of the more. It was a, a very. It was probably one of the better directed scenes. I mean, directed. I'm talking about with uh, both on the painting, the picture, and also with the characters and use of characters, because you you do have the girl being swarmed by uh, the bullies. Police, it says there by the bu- bullies, uh, and then. Uh, there is this like buzzing sound almost like she's being swarmed by bugs mm-hmm. and that's sort of what makes her call the flies mm-hmm. and I think that's it works really well sort of uh, doing those two parallels right right and we also know Argento's a crazy person so he probably used real bugs uh, for those scenes somehow yeah uh, they certainly look real. In fact, I mean, this might be a good opportunity to talk about that too. I one of the things I do like about this film is all of the, like the close-up visuals and views we get of insects and stuff like that. I, I um, you know, I, I think Argento's sort of fascination with that stuff um, sort of carries over pretty well. And like, uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm reminded a bit of like Deep Red, where we get these all these like really detailed close-ups of miniatures and stuff like that. Um, I, I like that in this film. I thought that was uh, kind of neat. And you don't really see that in a ton of the stuff side of the, uh, I don't know, like Nature Channel or something like that. True. Yeah. True. I mean, I, I think I, I, that's one of the nice things about this film. It, it, it sort of explored uh, the more natural aspect of um, of of the of its location. Yeah. I mean, you can sort of see that, like, Argento had it in his head as a premise of the film, like, a girl with sort of, like, these telepathic uh, abilities with insects and then sort of built everything around there. And, you know, some of it works and some of it doesn't. And I think that might be why it sort of feels like a greatest hit is he's trying to build these different pieces that he's already had in films or is inspired by, like, stuff like Friday the 13th or Carrie and bring them and pull them into sort of, like, this core storyline that he Mm -hmm. has. Um, next up I had um, where she explores the house um, there's like some weird dolls and stuff like that so this is the house that we see at the beginning where the Danish girl gets killed um, mm-hmm. and and then I had um, Donald Pleasant uh, getting stabbed um, maybe we'll talk about that one just because you were bringing up uh, the part with the chimp uh, which is like I think the scene is just very as I said earlier I, I th- just think it sums up the film perfectly uh, with his perfections and imperfections where you have like this wonderful scene where Donald Pleasance gets attacked with like his his um, elevator thing up until that point we are thinking that Jennifer is more in danger rather than uh, Loomis uh, <laughs> as you put it uh, and so then we sort of have like him in this uh, area and the chimp gets locked out and then uh, he starts to come down to help the chimp out and then his elevator thing gets uh, paused and he gets stabbed with that really interesting weapon almost a medieval weapon um Mm -hmm. and then uh and then we have which i had forgotten so i'm glad you brought it up the scene where the chimp attacks the car which is pretty well handled i mean i I thought that scene was quite effective uh for what it was it's like go go chimp um and then we get a downer where we get that super inappropriate um 
uh, music by Motorhead playing. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Any any thoughts on this uh, beyond what we covered already? No, I mean, I, I thought it was a, a creative way of killing someone mm-hmm. uh, because it's it's almost like instead of the killer stabbing him through his own thrust, is Pleasant stuck in his wheelchair uh, elevators or lift or whatever it's called uh, and get a stab while moving downwards. Um, it, it's effective. It also showed, uh, it did a good job, I feel like, emotionally speaking, on on the pain that it caused the monkey. Cause the monkey can, uh, like, it, again, props for this fucking monkey because, like, you know, is freaking out because he cannot save his uh, his friend or patient. <laughs> and then once Pleasant is dead, you know, goes through all the phases of grief. Yeah, and immediately goes into revenge. And pretty much the rest of the plot, uh, we, we, we see them, we see one shot of them just like wandering around and finding a knife and then just wandering off. Um, which is another great shot. And it's just like, what is this movie? <laughs> this movie is so strange. <laughs> I, I I mean, I would love to see a remake of this film. But the main character be the ape. <laughs> uh, that film would probably most like... There's like an 80% chance that film would be completely awful. And a 20% chance that it'd be like the best thing of the year. I know. <laughs> I like those odds. <laughs> yeah. I take those odds. Um, okay. Well, the last thing I wanted to talk about, uh, which I think we can spend a fair bit of time on, is the conclusion, which is just one thing after the other uh, uh, events happening. Um, starts off with her sort of getting locked in the house uh, by uh, Daria Nicolodi, who we now know is the villain. Um, what's her name again? Frau Buckner. Uh, yes. So so she's locked in the house, um, and an officer comes. Um music starts to play uh and she's locked up she wakes up we just sort of hear the officer screaming in the background which i thought is a mm. great touch um and she needs to she sort of escapes through the top uh, above a doorway through sort of the glass there initially trying to pull the phone out and eventually the phone falls through the th- floorboards and so she has to climb her way out and then she ends up falling into the floorboards which is sort of like this uh like underground subterranean area where she needs to climb tries to call um eventually the inspector grabs her uh from behind and so it's kind of this scary moment where this arm just sort of comes out and grabs her uh and she ends up falling into the pool which is like an extremely gnarly pool um Mm -hmm. you know what let's just pause we'll talk about it up to this point because it is just one thing after the other i'm like not even halfway through and uh, a ton of stuff has happened uh what do you so, think yeah go ahead uh, so yeah i i think the, the setup on how she gets there is also sort of relevant so at first this is supposed to be a safe place and when once you know it's not and uh she locks the house already from that start mm-hmm the, the the house locking mechanism was something I was not expecting from a, an eighties movie in Italy. Uh, we're talking about like some hard steel doors just shutting down many areas of the house. Uh, you know, uh, so that that already sort of sets the stage for oh, this is different. This is like a this is like a. Almost like the trap from the the Halloween, the latest, the second to latest Halloween film, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's like gizmos that are only cra- like extremely crazy people have. Yeah, not no normal people don't have doors like that. Exactly, uh, uh, and then yeah, the after that it's it's her trying to get away. Uh, I think it does a really good job uh, through that when she's going through a tunnel trying to do whatever the fuck she's trying to do with the phone. To be honest, I wasn't sure. I think she, I assume she was trying to call uh, the police, right? Even though the cop was already uh, trapped by her, but still, like that was uh, also like you know very like claustrophobic, and then ending with all of that with her falling into a pool of rotting flesh. Um, it's just the cherry on top on just climbing the level of. I don't know if even suspense, but it's a level of, oh shit, 
oh shit oh shit <laughs> yeah, like, it's just yeah, yeah 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 and i i mean i think that whole sequence is i mean i agree with you i think it is very suspenseful um and it, it's uh it's you're not going to turn away from the screen during the last 25 minutes that's for sure mm-hmm. um yeah i also like how it's sort of cross cut with um shapiro sort of coming um to get her finally and so he's sort mm-hmm. of framed as if he's going to be like the savior and stuff like that and that pool is nasty man that is like one of the nastiest uh pools uh i've seen this is like where dario spent his whole uh practical effects budget is like this whole last 25 minutes I mean, if those were live maggots, I probably would have thrown up. Oh, God. I mean, I, I almost... Yeah, that's like one of the nastiest scenes. I mean, that holds up super well, I think, today. I mean, it's uh, 36 years later, and, and that scene is still super nasty. Yeah. I, I, props to Jennifer Connelly. I mean, again, if those were real maggots, props to Jennifer Connelly on uh, surviving, like not throwing up in the scene. <laughs> or she might have i mean what do we know i mean it also like lingers there she has like a really hard time getting out of that tub uh too uh-huh. which is uh kind of uh amusing and then eventually um this is the part where i actually do like daria and nickelodeon's performance uh frau buckner finally comes in and she uh just starts laughing at them maniacally and it's super campy and super b-movie but i kind of enjoyed it to be honest and you're like okay finally uh, this character starts to make more sense um mm-hmm. yeah uh so uh eventually the uh detective does grab her and uh jennifer is able to sort of escape down sort of this hallway and she finds a young boy who uh starts talking to her and stuff like that so she's like oh it's okay now uh the assumption being that frau buckner is the villain up to that point and so we're like okay we're kind of at the ending point of the movie it's the last couple of minutes and now the boy is saved presumably because he had a really messed up mother um and then the boy turns around and his face is just all screwed up and he starts to attack jennifer um mm-hmm. that was another moment where i'm like oh shit <laughs> uh similar to the the pool moment for me at least yeah yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, on, on one hand, though, I thought that it's like, uh, at first I didn't notice that the boy was attacking her, so I was just like, oh, wow, that's mean of her. <laughs> She's like, oh, he's ugly. <laughs> Fuck yeah, it. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run away. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's one of those where they probably would handle that slightly differently uh, if they did it today. They'd probably give him some weapon or something. So she has more of a reason to run away than him just being ugly, which is, yeah, I agree. That's 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 a little messed up, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's 1985. What are you going to do? Right now. Um, but yeah, but yeah, they, they uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I like a lot of the gore effects and the practicals of this film. It's super goopy uh, in mm-hmm. this finale, and I think throughout, like the gore effects and stuff like that are pretty um a plus um throughout this film uh so she runs over and here's where it starts to get a little friday the 13th because she runs out to that boat uh tries to get away um the boy chases her the boy is actually wielding the weapon that we'd seen earlier in the film um Mm -hmm. and uh eventually what happens exactly she he he falls he pokes he he uh, so that's the moment where she uses her special powers. Ah, uh, yes, that's right. As, so as, as, he, as he's trying to kill her, he pokes uh, he pokes a gas line or uh, what's it called the like oil or whatever uh, the oil petrol petrol like uh, the Brits would say whatever. Uh, <laughs> he pokes the uh, the tank, uh, you know, getting everything full of gasoline, and then a bunch of uh, bees. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Some swarm of animals are attacking him fucking up his face even more good use of dummy on that he falls on the water and then she's like okay now i can go back and tries to uh turn on the engine of the uh boat and the boat blows up (laughs) (laughs) yeah it has to jump into the water um so you said dummy i i did some research on this uh for the final scene where patel who is the son is swarmed with flies over 2 million eggs were bought and incubated in an oven. As soon as they hatched, actor David Morota, who plays uh, the son, was put, and is, I think, a dwarf, he was like 28, was put into makeup and wardrobe, then rushed to set. 
to attract the newborn flies, his clothes and covered face were coated in glucose, and the flies were released from very fine nets to swarm his body. After completing the scene, the crew opened the studio windows to release all of the flies, but they inhabited the neighborhood businesses for weeks. <laughs> so, <laughs> Argento is a freaking psychopath, and, uh, you know, I, a lot of that was done uh, more realistically, I guess, in a way. Yeah, I... I th- What's funny though is that he still was wearing a mask. And yeah. It looks like it was a special. Like it, it looks like a different mask. Uh, different. Like when you first see the, the the child's face, that looks like you know lots of makeup and props, right? Mm-hmm. When he's getting his face eaten, it looks more like a mask. Yeah. So that's why I thought it was a dummy. It ma- it makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, like if if we were to do it, I mean, I, I think it'd probably be a dummy. I mean. <laughs> It's pretty crazy what these people did, as well as like Candyman, um, which we already covered in the show. Just the amount of mm-hmm. like practicals that they do, but gotta respect it to some extent. Uh, yeah, so yeah, the bo- boat blows up. Um, one thing I like for the rest of the scenes too is that we're able to just see like this fire on the lake in the background um, for mm-hmm. pretty much all the scenes, and it creates a really, really beautiful visual. I think Argento, as always, is just a great um, visual director in terms of like creating these very memorable, very pretty uh, images. Uh, then Jennifer needs to kind of uh, swim underwater, so she does that, and we sort of have a moment similar to the underwater scene in Inferno, where I think Patel, uh, the son, grabs at her leg or something like that, but she does mm-hmm. eventually escape. Um, not ex- exactly sure what happens to Patel. I, I assume he dies he somewhere underwater. Okay. No, he burns. They, uh, so she, she, Because they both keep on having to go up to get some air, mm-hmm. and when he goes up, after he's kicked, he goes up right where the fire is, and then he burns. Ah, uh, I see. Okay. There you uh, go. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. Um, and so she escapes. And finally, uh, Scott Shapiro shows up. Uh, took him a while. And yeah. uh, and it seems like she's going to embrace him at the end. But out of nowhere, uh, here comes Frau Buckner again with some sort of a thing and just cleanly decapitates him. <laughs> I know. The hair, the head rolls. Like, and it, again, once again, one of those moments where, you know, you think everything is over and you're like... Wham! <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It kind of reminds me of the ending of Deep Red in a way, where we have that elevator decapitation, and you know Argento. No one does it quite like him, where he has these just very joyful uh, killings that bring a smile to my face. And then, uh, not to be outdone, uh, the chimp comes to save the day and basically um, stabs uh, Frau Buckner to death, uh, and mm-hmm. ends with uh, an embrace of the chimp and Jennifer Connelly. Which is a pretty wonderful ending. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why I, get, I actually have it almost as high as the other ones. <laughs> no, no, I mean, you're not, I, I think I tend to uh, rate this film slightly lower than um, other Argento enthusiasts who m- most of them consider it in like his top four or five. So uh, I, I don't think, uh, I, I think I, I might be slightly more. I mean, I enjoy the hell out of this conclusion. It's just a lot of like the unevenness before that, that, uh, you know, I said. Any so, any last uh, thoughts on the uh, conclusion? Well, so I mean, w- one of the things that I that I really liked about uh, the ending, or about this whole sequence that you were talking about, were the the scenes underwater, mm-hmm. where you have the fire on top. She's underwater fighting this uh, child, little monster. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I just really like uh, Argento's uh, underwater scenes. Uh, they're just the, the way that they light it and everything. And in this one, where you know you're having fire on top, I'm not sure. But I'm assuming for the fire, they did, they did some, uh, they played with the lights on top. I'm not sure. Probably, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I, I thought that was really nice. Uh, a very nice touch. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I think. Uh they tossed a ton of money at this last uh, bit and Argento probably used all of the resources that he could come up with. And I think it works really well. I mean, uh, I can see e- even for just this last scene alone, it's easy to see how this film can remain in sort of consciousness as like a cult classic at the, at the bare minimum. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, before we move on to our last questions of uh, who won the movie and rating, um, any other things to add? No, I think... Uh... Okay. 
Um, any souvenir you would take from this film? The poker. The poker? Okay, so the, the weapon? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I don't know. I, I hadn't thought about this. Uh, a lot of the uh, the best stuff is more organic in this film, so I don't know. I'm not going to take that pit of disgustingness. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'll take the poker, too. Okay, um, who... Oh, one last thing about the la- uh, about Jennifer Connelly in this film is let me see if I can pull this up. Uh, she, she said in an interview that she was bitten by the chimp in this film. Uh, apparently, during one scene, the chimp kept turning around and Dario Argento, not wanting to film her behind, asked Connelly to place her hand on the animal to stop her from churning. But when she attempted to do so, the chimp became arranged and bit her, and then became very hostile towards Connelly for the rest of the film. Uh, so uh, the rumor is that she had uh, no Jennifer Connelly had part of her finger bitten off by the chimp in the final scene at the end of the film she was rushed to the hospital and the finger was reattached so not <laughs> entirely smooth sailing with the chimp uh, <laughs> that's that's hilarious because that the, the scene that if it's a final scene that's the scene where they're embracing each other it is yeah and and you're like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like real life right after the monkey just bit her finger off yeah, yeah. It's like one of those um, SNL skits where they like have like a cheesy commercial and then it's like goes to the reality. It's like, ah, oh, my finger! <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, goes to show that uh, there is a cost sometimes to some of these films. Anyways, uh, who won the movie? <laughs> Can you give it to the chip after that? <laughs> Yes, I still yeah. Went under, the the chip not only did a great job acting, it took a finger. <laughs> the chip took a souvenir. Uh, okay. Uh, if I were to be honest, I'd give it to the same person, but I'll give it to Donald Pleasance. I think he gives a really good performance uh, in a uh, role that uh, or in a film that really lacks good dialogue and good writing, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that really helps to carry the film and him and the chimp just have um, really good chemistry. Uh, Okay. And uh, now to rating. Uh, I'll I'll give it an eight. Okay. You know, I think you kind of talked me up uh, on this film a little bit. I was kind of at a seven, seven and a half. Uh, I think I'll give it a go with the higher rating, the seven and a half here. Honestly, I could respect anything from six to eight for this film. Um, It's, it's a lot of fun. But there are some moments that are just like pretty bad, uh, just dramatically speaking and stuff like that. So it, it's it's a really tricky one t- for me to rate. Um, probably mm-hmm. one that I would be perfectly willing to rewatch just on the basis of like that totally bonkers uh, last twenty five minutes um, yeah. that I think is pretty awesome. Um, okay. Um, it, can you can you imagine if the if creepers they cut off all the chimp scenes? Oh God, that'd so... be terrible. I mean, so, yeah, but I, I was thinking, I mean, if I was Jennifer Connelly, I'd be extra pissed because she lo- she basically lost a finger. Well, not I guess we got reattached, but she almost lost a finger and nothing is there to show for it. <laughs> I mean, that's one perspective or the other perspective would be, fuck that chimp, I don't want to ever see it again. True, but I mean, isn't it frustrating that you had to deal with... Uh, and it's hypothetical, of course. You had you had the, the the whole whole film. You know, you dealt with this chimp, and then the chimp wasn't even used at the end, the final cut. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, why did I lose? Why did I even go through this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it just didn't work out. You know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, true. Fair, fair points all around. Thankfully, the chimp scenes are some of the best in the film, so it works really well. And, you know, honestly, oddly enough, I think this might be, like, the most emotional Argento film, just because it has a really kind of moving gen- uh, finale, despite what mm-hmm. may have happened behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, I was curious. You, before watching this film, uh, you had told me that... Uh, you didn't want to spoil the why, but you had told me that uh, uh, Jennifer Connelly did not want to ever think about this film and i was like i watched it and i'm like huh it's nothing that she was required to do in this film because like from, from what you can see given mm-hmm. that uh you know like in requiem requiem uh her character had to do very degrading stuff oh god uh, yeah 
Uh, so I was just like, okay. Just because, you know, I was thinking Italian film, women, maybe she had to do something degrading. It's like, no, 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 there's nothing degrading here. Uh, and now I was like, oh, okay, she almost lost a finger. Yeah, Got yeah. It. Has to do more with behind-the-scenes stuff, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could also see an actor, too. I mean, Argento films, you almost have to appreciate this in a certain part of your brain. If you look at this and you're, like, looking for good acting and stuff like that, you're probably not going to enjoy this film um, because, like, it, it lacks a lot of that stuff. But it brings it back in other aspects uh, that I think are highly enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, that concludes this episode of film to film. Thank you all for tuning in. You can send us an email at ZA film to film at gmail.com or send us a tweet at ZA film to film. Um, yeah. And uh, we will see y'all in a couple weeks. Ciao. Ciao.